What a joy to be here with all of you guys and to open God's word. I am a missionary in Uganda. My name is Shannon Hurley, and you guys have been supporting our ministry, and I want to come here personally just to say thank you. Can I appreciate you guys? Thank you very much for the support that you give our ministry. I also wanted to see this smart group, and I know you're smart because you left, many of you left California And uh, not only that, but you're courageous. You didn't just talk about it, you actually did it. And so, uh, but I know this church plan, I've been cheering you on from afar. I've had the privilege of knowing Ben Blakey from uh, a long time ago now. Uh, Over 13 years ago is when I met Ben. I know their parents, uh, Bruce, and and, uh, their church out in San Antonio has supported us for many years. And uh, it's just been a, a sweet joy to watch God move in the heart of this church, in the heart of Ben, and, uh, and really how God is using their whole family. It's really amazing, and God is so sweet. But we're praising the Lord for all that he's doing right here in Idaho. Amen? And uh, I wanted to just tell you a little bit about our ministry. Let me just start off just before we get into the text. And just, we have two missions as an organization. Our first mission is to reach our community for Christ. We live in a village called Kubamitwe. Everybody say Kubamitwe. Kubamitwe. That literally means hit the head in Luganda. And so we are a village in the Buganda kingdom. We are one of seven locations in the Buganda kingdom where they would do executions for heinous crimes. And our area was known for its promiscuity, known for just sin. And uh, I didn't know all this when I moved there. Uh, but we were just known for just sin. And there, literally, when we began our ministry, there was nobody was married. Everybody was just living together. Children were being produced, abandoned. There wasn't, nobody was graduating from high school because everybody, you know, there was so much alcohol in our community. And so this was the day in the life of our community. And we came with one mission, well, with the first mission, which is to reach this community for Christ. And we came with this message, there is a king, and his way is the best. That was our message. And you're going to learn more about that message, because that's the message all of us need to take everywhere. But we came in there, and then we established a primary school. Today, we have a primary school in our village where we're discipling all the kids from that community. And we began to do community outreach programs and help out with medical things just to love our community. And as a result of loving them and our primary school, today we have a church between around 500 people in our village. And we've literally seen God completely transform our community. There's probably about 30 families that are married biblically. And now there's this movement as everybody's discipling one another to do things God's way. And now there's joy. People, the alcoholics are running to other villages because they don't feel comfortable anymore in our village. And God is literally just transforming a community. And the result of that is all of this love, joy, trusting one another. It has been unbelievable to watch God transform this society. We have a primary school. Every year we add a level. And we have a primary school, which is now complete. We're getting ready to do a secondary school. But we have 450 kids in that primary school where we're discipling those kids from a young age to follow after Christ. And so our first mission of reaching our community, we have Bible studies everywhere, and we've raised up people to disciple people. 
And, uh, and so it's just this crazy thing that we're seeing in the middle of Cuba meets way. And so our second mission is to strengthen churches throughout Uganda. I work with 1,500 Baptist churches. In the mysteries and graces of God, I work closely with the president of the Baptist Union. He's a friend of mine. And together, we're trying to strengthen this whole denomination. And with one of the maiden strategies we have is a pastoral training center. So we've established, that's a three-phase training center, but we have phase one built right now. We have dormitories and, and uh, classroom buildings, which are beautiful, and we're discipling men at this level. And we're looking to put a phase two and a phase three, where we're going to put 120 homes on our property so that we can bring these men in, disciple them up, teach them to follow the king, then teach their families to follow the king so that when they leave our community, they'll go out and help their communities follow the, the, okay, good, follow the king. And you're going to understand more about what that means when you look, when, when we get to our sermon today. Let me introduce one friend of mine that's here. This is Brian, way in the back, friend of mine that works alongside me at, with SOS and just helping me. And uh, I brought him here today just to be with me and encourage people as he can. We want to love you. We want to encourage you. We want to thank you. And we want to just exhort you to live for our master. And so I want you to do one favor before I jump in the message. I want you to take your phones out and I want you to go to SOSministries.com. SOS. You're allowed to get your phone out. It's no problem. Uh, Go to sosministries.com, and I want you to put and get our newsletter, and because uh, I want to be able to give you updates. I want to encourage you in the Lord through SOS, and so please go there, get our email updates. You just put your email address in, and bang, you can get our updates. There's even opportunities if some of you want to sponsor a child for our school, our Legacy Christian Academy, there's an opportunity for you to do that. We have 100 kids on that website. And it's a big need of ours that people come alongside and help in any way you can help. Uh, as a missionary, I live in Uganda, but we have to do fundraising and the, all of this stuff in the process. And any way you can help, we would love for you to love us and love the people of Uganda. Whatever you give goes 100% there. And uh, we'd love and invite you to help in that way. But it is a joy and a privilege to be with you. I've been in Uganda 16 years. And, uh, and to see God at work has been amazing. And uh, some people might ask, what are we about in Uganda? What is our driving our ministry? Well, that's why I want to share from, with you this morning from Matthew 28. You guys are familiar with this passage. We know it is the Great Commission. But I want to re-enlighten it to you by helping you see the theology behind the Great Commission. And that will help us understand more clearly what this Great Commission is all about. We live in a world today that's gone mad. Am I right? I don't know. You guys, I, I hope you're all not, I mean, like in Uganda, I'm like, what is going on in America? I mean, like they were normal. <laughs> but it's the world is going mad. And, and politics is leaving us all bewildered. Like what is happening where policemen are allowing rioting as if it's okay. And we're saying this is wrong when, when and th things that are wrong, we're not saying are wrong. Things that are wrong, we're saying are right. Something like that. What's going on? What's happening? 
And you look at the world around you and, and you just realize that we are in crazy times. Either way, you could describe this as man is doing what is right in their own what? And part of that is because of the fact that our worldview is now moving to anti-God. Do you see that? And that's why a message like the one I want to give you this morning is so important. Because our worldview doesn't start with anti-God. Our worldview starts with the fact that God reigns as king. Amen? Amen. Come on, you guys got a little bit of soul. Come on, come on. Give it to me. Amen? Amen. Oh, come on. I knew you had it in you. The moral compass of our society has gotten lost because we forgot that Christ reigns. And I want to come alongside you this morning and remind you of the truth of our mission. I want to reinvigorate you to get on mission I'm not the only missionary. We are all called to be missionaries, and that's what drives the passage that is before us. We're going to look at Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. I'm going to read the passage. I want you to follow along very clearly. And what I want to do is provide four components of this text for you. Four components. We'll start with the background. Let me read verses 16 to 17 and show you the background. Are we ready together? Are we ready together? Woo! Come on. All right. Let's look at the background together. Verses 16. And the 11 disciples proceeded to where? To the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they what? But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them. Let me help you understand and see what's going on. First, we need to understand that at this moment in the history of Jesus' disciples, at this moment, they are in desperate confusion. As you know, Jesus had died, Jesus was buried. And Jesus then what? Amen? Amen. And he rose from the dead. But the disciples had spent three and a half years following Jesus everywhere they went. Not knowing where they're going to even lay their head, right? And at the end of these three and a half years, Jesus dies. And they're left at that point going, what is going on? Now what do we do? And you literally find them at this time in history not knowing what to do next. According to John 21, what do they do? They go fishing. They go right back to their old ways because they're not following Jesus anymore. And so they're completely confused. Where do we go? What do we do? What's supposed to happen next? And I think in this passage, Jesus is coming at this point to give them direction. And I want to say this, not just to give them direction, but to give all of us direction. To give clarity on what we are to do with our lives. You say, what do you mean? Well, look with me 
here. It says, but the 11 disciples, right? You say, well, I'm not part of the 11. That is true. But look at the end of the verse, verse 20. And lo, I am with who? You, always, even to the end of what? What is this saying? It's, this is, goes beyond just the 11 disciples, and it goes to all disciples now until the end of the what? The age. This is instruction not just for them. This is also instruction for you. So in this situation, they've lost direction. Jesus says, go to Galilee, go to a certain mountain that he designated them to go to. And that's what's happening. They're up there waiting, talking probably together, maybe talking about the fish they caught. I have no idea. And they're waiting for Jesus. And according to this passage, all of a sudden, boom, there he is. They see Jesus. And when they see him, it says that they what? They worshiped him. They worshiped him. You say, why in the world do they worship him? The reason they worshiped him is because he was God. They had just risen from the dead. He had proven the reality of who he was before them, raising the dead, even causing the storms to be stopped and, and casting out demons by his own power. He had proven who he was as God. Only God can do these things, right? To see him was to see the Father. To hear from him was to hear from God himself. That's why he was repeatedly people wanted to stone him. Jesus has now in the most powerful way by resurrecting from the dead shown himself to be God. And not only that, but I guarantee the Spirit of God was moving in some way where they just knew, oh my goodness, this is God. This is, this is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And they're overwhelmed with joy, overwhelmed with gratitude. And all they could do is worship him and exalt him and declare him to be worthy of praise. But not all of them. Some of them, according to this passage, were doubtful. You say, well, why were they doubtful? They're doubtful because, wait a second here, someone just rose from what? The dead. There are some people were there trying to get their hands or heads around this whole thing. He was alive and now he's here and he's just appeared. I mean, they, they, they didn't know what was going on. Can I touch you? What, what can I do? And they were having a hard time understanding this. So Jesus appears. They have these two responses. And according to the story, they, he doesn't just stop there. He keeps coming up the hill. And he passes them. And then he turns around like I'm turning around to you. He looks at him in the eyes and he makes an announcement. I want to show you that announcement as point number two. Look with me in verse 18. The announcement. Are you ready? Yes. Two of you. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Here is the announcement. This is the most glorious section here. you got to see it because you can't understand the Great Commission without it. Look with me here. Here's the announcement. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All, what? All power or authority has been given what? Given to 
Everyone talk to me before I get angry. No, just kidding. <laughs> given to me. All authority has now been given to me is what he declares. And he says that authority, whether that is in heaven or what? He comes before them and declares this message that all, all, all authority has been given to me. Not some, but all. You say, what is this power or authority? What are we talking about? Power and authority is the right to be in charge. It's to have control, have power. The elders are in charge of this church. They have the authority over this church. If they don't like me, they have me sit down. Jesus right here is coming before them and declaring that the Father has given him all authority over heaven and on earth. He's declaring that he has been given the universal throne. Just like it declares in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, where he says, for this reason, God highly exalted who? Jesus Christ. And he gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will what? Those in heaven and on earth and under the earth that every tongue might what? Confess what? Jesus Christ is. Come on, say it with a little passion, Idaho. That Jesus Christ is? Lord. King. Master. Ruler. There we go. Come on. Give a little passion, baby. That's what he declares. Jesus is declaring to his disciples, listen, I'm not just the king of Israel. I'm the king of all kings, Lord of all lords. I am the master and ruler of the universe. Whether you are in heaven or on earth, I rule over it all. I've been given a far greater position than just Israel. This shouldn't have shocked them if they knew their Old Testaments. They would have known, according to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, they would have known that this was going to happen. Listen to the words of Daniel 7, 13. It says this, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. Jesus' favorite term was son of, why? Because of Daniel 7, 13. Here, according to this passage, it says, the one like the son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days. Who's that? The father. Well, what, is he, what happens when he comes up to the father? It says this, he's presented before him and to him was given, listen, dominion, glory, and a kingdom. According to this passage, the Father gives the Son a kingdom. Why? That all the people, that, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve Him. Now that's interesting. 
It says this, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. At this time in history, there is one nation that knows God and that is who? Israel. All the other nations are Gentile nations who are running after the lusts and passions of their flesh and just giving themselves over to their own sin. They know no God. They know no king. They are blinded in their understanding. They're roaming around and groping in darkness. And here he says that Jesus Christ is going to be given a kingdom. Why? That all the peoples, all the nations, men of every language might serve him. How in the world is every nation going to hear Christ? According to this passage. Well, this is the pivotal moment. This is the moment where Christ is given that crown. And he's coming here and he's declaring it. I now have that crown. I am the king. I am the ruler. And if you look on your own later on at 1 Corinthians 15, write this down. 1 Corinthians 15. That baby's dancing around here. That baby in the stomach. Some of you pregnant ladies are turning around. Anyhow. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 28. Look at this love affair between God the Father and God the Son. Where God gives the Father, the Son, I'm sorry, the Father gives the Son this kingdom so that he gets all things to come in submission to him. Then he takes this kingdom and he gives it back to the Father. That's what it says. Somehow we are participating in this love affair between the Father and the Son. My dear brethren, what is going on in this passage is the Bible is coming alive. What's going on at this moment in history, as Jesus says, it has happened. I am now the universal king over all things. Now pause. My brothers and sisters, this truth about God as king, about God as, thank you very much, but God as what? King. God as what? King. Needs to be etched in your mind. It needs to be scratched in there. You say, why? Because it needs to be the center of our worldview. And we cannot do what is right in our own eyes. Why? There is a? There is a? There is a? There's a king. And that needs to be the center of our worldview. You need to see the world not this way, but this way. You can't do whatever you want. There's a king. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is coming and he's saying, I am now the king. And I'm coming to you and saying, listen, Jesus Christ is king. Please, for the sake of your families, the sake of your communities, get this in your mind. At the center of everything. And we're going to find out in a moment that that is the essence of Christianity. 
If you're going to understand Christianity, you must understand this foundational truth that Jesus is. You're going to get a message today, whether you like it or not. You can't do whatever is right in your own eyes. Because there is a universal king over us of which you, may give, you must give an account. This is Jesus' declaration. And we see that from this declaration comes the third point, the instruction. The third point, what is it? The instruction. Look with me at verse 19, of which you're very familiar with. The first word there is really therefore. So pause here for a moment. Look with me. Jesus comes and says, I am the? King. I am the king. Therefore, I'm giving you a responsibility. Therefore, as my disciples, I'm instructing you to do something. And here's the instruction. The main verb there is make disciples. What is he telling us to do? Make disciples. Listen, the authoritative king of the universe of heaven and earth is giving you instruction to go and make what? Disciples. Now you say, what is a disciple? Give me another word for a disciple. Come on, you guys are awesome. Followers. Go and make what? Followers. Let's get beyond the theological words and let's just be very simple. I am the king. Now, therefore, in light of that, you go in the world and you make what? Followers. And you make followers. There's the mission. That's our job. Jesus wants us to go into the world and make followers of him as king. He wants us to go into the world and call all people to bend the knee to Jesus Christ as Lord. He's calling people to surrender their lives to his supremacy, to live not after themselves, after their own flesh, or after their neighbors, but live under Jesus Christ. Let him rule. Let him reign. Let him be master of everything, of your homes, of your life, of your children, of your marriage, for your good and his glory. Amen? Amen. Oh, dear friends, this is the message. Oh, I've been in Africa. I've seen the pain of sin. I'm tired of it. Africa suffers because of one thing. It's called sin. Rebellion against God. They don't know there's a king. Or they may know he is king, but they've never surrendered their lives to his supremacy. And they're suffering from it. Many of you in this room are suffering from it. You're talking about Jesus. You come to church. But he doesn't reign in your life. You don't love your wife as he commanded you to love him. You don't love your children the way he's commanded you to love them. And you're suffering from it. Well, I have a message for you this morning. There is a what? And his way is the best. Repent and surrender your life to his majesty. Follow him for your good. 
Notice that we are to preach or make disciples of what? Of all what? Especially, thank you very much. Thank you. Especially Uganda. It says it. It's just in Greek. Okay, I can't misuse the words. Listen, this is how every tongue, nation, peoples will serve him. It's when we take it everywhere. So at this moment in history, Israel is the only people that know God, but I want you to go into all of these nations that are pagan and take the message about myself everywhere. And today, everywhere, all over the world, there are people who call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? 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 Amen. Amen. We're going to bring some passion to Idaho here. I want you to notice something, and that is Jesus tells us how. In this instruction, he says, make disciples, and then he tells us how. In Greek, there are three participles. Participles describe a verb. How do we make disciples? He tells us three participles, going, baptizing, and teaching. How are we to make disciples? First, you need to. Then you need to. Then you need to. We're going to look at those really quickly. First thing is this. We need to go. Go! Friends, our tendency at this day and age in which we live is to come on our heels. All of the stuff that's being thrown at us, we get scared. Am I right? And we want to be quiet. Listen, don't be quiet. This is a rejection of Jesus Christ as what? It's the rejection of Christ as king. And what we're doing as a nation right now is we are abandoning God. Our nation, and let me tell you, I know this more today than I've ever known it in my life. The greatest thing about America and what has made America great is we are built on the foundations of God as king. And all of our laws are embedded with the truths and the moral values of the Bible. We are trying right now to undo all of those moral values so that man can now have license to do whatever they want. Well, look, if you want to know what happens when you do that, you come with me to Africa. I can show you. I can show you all of the children who are abandoned. I have 35 of them in my home who call me dad. They're called my illegal children. I have some legal children. But see, when you don't marry and you never choose to love that person, it's only temporary. Until you find somebody else that's more attractive or more fun. And what do you do with those children? Who pays the penalty? The children. And then sooner or later it leads to alcohol where you just try and drown your sorrows away in alcohol and, and, and drugs and all of these types of things. And you get so depressed that you stop working, and then we understand where we're at as a society. And everybody starts doing what's right in their own eyes and serves themselves. Is that really where we want to go? Well, that's where we're going. 
I can tell you from my own village, by me going, what have we brought to our village? Joy. Woo! Because this is the reality. This is God's way right here. Here it is. And when you take somebody out from their sin, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> take them out from their sin. You see, there's pain here. My hands are cold. Can you wait? <laughs> when you take them from here and you bring them into God's way, you have just brought them what? Joy. Joy, joy, joy. <laughs> Listen. The greatest mission we can ever be on is help people know there is a king and help them find joy in God. We use this term all the time, joy in God. What do we mean? Joy in God's what? His way. All right. You see, guys, but according to Jesus, the first thing we need to do is what? I'm sorry, the first thing we need to do is what? We need to go. You got to go. You've got to love your neighbors. You've got to love your children and go and teach them. Go, go. Do not be on your heels. Go, love them. That my brother's gay. Someone has to go. He thinks joy is in that. It's not in that. Joy is in God and God's way and lead them and love them to joy. Don't criticize them and condemn them. Love them and bring them from their sin to God and his what? His way. It's a love mission. Oh, my dear friends, you're afraid of what? Do you not know that this is the best way? What are we afraid of? Just go and put your hand around and say, hey, I know you like your lifestyle, but can I give you a message? There's a king and his way is best. When you get tired of this way, remember God's way is the best. And not only know this, but know that the consequences of rebellion against the king is separation from him in eternity. For eternity. And not only that, but understand this, that you cannot, and I would tell everyone here, some of you have been around Christianity and you want to do God's way, but you can't. And the reason you can is because the Bible says we have a problem called what? Sin. Sin reigns in mankind. And they cannot obey God until they're born again. And when they're born again, God takes the power of sin out and puts his spirit in, enabling you to follow the king. And unless you are born again, you can't follow this king. And that's the message of the gospel. Amen? Amen. My dear brethren, you must go. You must go. And I want to ask you, will you please go? But not only do you go, you must also, secondly, baptize. You must baptize. What is baptism? It's the moment they die to what? Uh-huh. Die to what? They no longer live after the lusts and passions of themselves. They die to those lusts and passions, and they're raised to walk in newness of what? After who? Jesus Christ. You got to go. 
and they've got to be baptized to die to themselves and live for Christ and declare Jesus Christ as? I love it. I was going to say Lord, but it's all right. (laughs) Same terms. And that's what we say. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart Jesus Christ as? As king or Lord. Same idea. I am ruler. I am master of everything. And you acknowledge it. Which brings us to the third thing we need to do, and that is this. We need to teach them. And I want to show you this specifically. Verse 20, we need to teach them to what? Teach them to what? Come on with me. (laughs) Teach them to observe. Observe what? All that I have commanded you. That's what we're doing. To observe all that Jesus has commanded. Notice it's not a call for people to say a prayer. That prayer is not here. That prayer is is me surrendering my life to his supremacy. We're calling people to change their lifestyle. We're calling people to follow Jesus Christ as master. We're calling people to observe all that he has commanded. To not call people to change a lifestyle is to not understand what Jesus is saying by this great commission. This is Christianity. Christianity is someone coming and surrendering his or her life to follow after Jesus Christ as Lord. And then we wake up every day and we say, Jesus, what do you want from me today? What do you want? My wife is being unreasonable. Lord, what do you want? You want me to love her? You want me to be understanding? Oh, let me love her because your way is what? My kids are being crazy. They're being children. I hate it when they do that. (laughs) Let me parent them with patience and love and with spankings. Why? Because God's way is the? And by the way, spankings are in the Bible. But spankings and beating your children are two different things. To do with patience? You say, stop preaching, okay, I'll leave it there. Just kidding. What we're doing is we are observing what Christ has said. We're surrendering our thinking to his thinking. We're not following the latest magazines or what the television says or what society is pushing down our throats. No, we love the king's words. We know the king's words. We hide the king's words in our heart. We're meditating on it day and night. And we're following them. If you are not in the word of God, how can you follow the king? Listen, with any king that rules, they always rule through their words. And this king has given us the sweetest words, the sweetest, sweetest, good, holy, right words that we might walk in them. I want to say this to you. The goal of parenting is to point your children to the 
The goal of leading your home, men, is to point your children and your wife to follow what? The king. You get this in their minds. Get it in their worldviews. It's so practical. Kids, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Why? Because we're going before. Can we not get this in their minds? When my kids are disobeying, I'll, I'll come to them. I'll say, hey, so what does the king want us to do? Do you want us to fight or we want us to love with it? Well, he wants us to love. Okay. Well, can we do what the king wants? Because his way is the what? The best. Oh, and you win their hearts and just point them always to follow the king. The goal of discipleship, the goal of us going into this community is not to just teach them theological knowledge. It's not so that they become Bible heads, though they need to become Bible heads. There's a greater goal. It's that they not only become Bible heads, but they walk in that truth. They don't follow us. We're not teaching people to follow people, follow preachers or the latest uh, Christian author book. We're teaching them what the king says and for them to follow that. I know Paul Tripp has written great books on parenting. But God also has written on parenting. And we need to force them to see God's word, not man's what? Word, because he alone is the king. And these tools need to be tools to point people to the text. And we know there's great authors that are doing that. Why do we do this? We do it for their good. It's not unkind. It's the best. I really believe this. When you look at the history of your Bible, this whole, the center of the Bible is king and kingdom. You look at the beginning of your Bible all the way to the end, because it ends with us where? Where does it end? Where are we in the end? Huh? In the eternal kingdom of? Okay, good. That's where it ends. And Jesus will come as a millennial king. And he's reigning now as king. And he was the king of Israel. You're getting the idea. And he's always sat there saying, listen, follow me, follow me. And all of biblical history is man's rejection of God as king. And man's suffering the consequences. And God says, hey, look, I'm going to send many agents. I'm going to send all my disciples out into this world. Because I love the world. I want to love the world. I want them to know my good way. So get out there and declare my message. But this message isn't easy. This message is hard. Why? Because man is in rebellion against what? God as? And they are darkened in their understanding. And when they see righteousness in you, they, they don't want that and they get angry with you. Going to Uganda has been the hardest thing of my life. The first eight years was one trial after the next, one trial after the next. I got there, I partnered with a guy, spent all kinds of money, and he put it into an organization with his own name on it. 
and said, thank you very much for donating. That only guy I knew in Africa, and that's what he did. I'm sitting there with my three-month-old baby, my three-year-old and my six-year-old and my hot wife <laughs> saying, Lord, what do we do now? And I said to myself, you know what? The God of Joseph is my God. And he works all things for my what? Man may intend it for evil, but God intends it for what? I need to be faithful today and trust God for tomorrow. Today, we have this ministry in the middle of Africa that we pray by the grace of God, it is going to transform the whole society. We're training pastors right now, and we're going to train them all about God's word so that they go out and help their communities do exactly what we've done in our own community so that they can have the joy that we experience. This mission is hard, and that's why Jesus ends with this fourth component. The fourth component is a promise. The fourth component is a promise. Look at me at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have what? And what? Lo. Or this, behold. That's what he says. And behold. I, literally, I emphatically, I personally, or I myself will always or all the days be with you. Listen, you live in a world that's hard. You live with a mission that's difficult. But all of your days... Jesus Christ himself, through the person of the spirit of the living God, will be what? With you. Oh, I have seen this firsthand. With every tear, there's far more joy. For you, when you're parenting that child that may not be easy, the Lord is what? When you're sharing Christ with your neighbor, who may be total rebellion against God, God is what? Our Lord is amazing. My brothers and sisters, during your days of strength and your days of weakness, the days of success and the days of failure, of joy and of sorrow, of youth and of age, days of life and days of death, the Lord will be with you. This is the sweetness of the faith that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you're at this morning in your relationship with the Lord, but I want to ask you, is Christ at the center of your worldview? Have you, is Christ at the center of everything for you? Have you surrendered yourself to King Jesus? Maybe you are just religious. Maybe you're just coming week in, week out, but you know in your own heart that you are given over to pornography or you are given over to some lifestyle of sin. Your marriage isn't right. It's time you get right with your king. Amen? Please, don't run from God. Run to him. Find joy in him and his ways. Not only that, but do you believe this message? 
Do you believe it? Well, shame on us if we know it's true and we don't take it to our neighbor. Church, rise up and go! There are resources you can take out to go out there and bring the gospel. I wrote a book called Quest for Truth. Ask these guys about it. Get it and go with it. All you got to do is open a page one and start taking them through it. There's other materials, but let's go. Let's live on mission. Let's all be missionaries, huh? For the joy of our neighbor. Let's go. Let's baptize, and let's teach. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we, just, we want to have people just run after you, and we want to love our world, love our neighbor. Lord, I think of my own family. And I want someone to go to them and give them this message and call them out as I call them out to do what is so sweet, and that is to follow their master, follow you. Lord, I pray that you would embolden. Father, as some have been here followers of you, but if no one has ever followed you because of them, I pray that you would cause repentance in hearts here this morning that they would live on mission, that they would see this as a command by you to them, and that they would dedicate their lives to make followers of you, that their whole language would change. Pray that parents here would be faithful to remind their children that you're the king and your ways are best. Oh, Lord, reign in Idaho. Reign in this church, reign in the families of this church, that the society around that is going darker and darker might see the light of these homes and might be turned to the sweetness of you as their master. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you that though these disciples were aimless, that you gave them direction and thus have given us direction. Lord, help us in Uganda for the, your, the praise of your name and for good of all of us, we pray.